carnivores. Ugh. Have you guys seen Simba? I thought he was with you. He was, but now I can't find him. Where is he? <laughs> you won't find him here. <laughs> the king has returned. Hey, what's going on here? Who's the monkey? Hello, Internet. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Internet Dwellers, and welcome back to Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library. I am very, very sick right now. I am Jeff, so Jeff, sorry. Jeff, uh, Jeff Bell. You know why? You know why this has happened to you. Why? You spent the entire movie roaring at the screen. That's anytime true. there was a lion on the screen. I, I, I mean, was, it was a weird game. Hey, look, I was trying to just do what Frank Welker would have done in 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 my position, which uh, trivia he did all of the lion roars in the movie. Uh, oh, there you none go. of those, <laughs> none of those roars are real, guys. They're all fake. They're all really, human. yeah. That is that is actually an interesting way to kick off this episode with an interesting bit of trivia because I would I would have guessed that they had just had actual lions roars. No, it's well, Frank Welker. Go. It's the guy who did Abu from Aladdin. Who does well, all you, who always does animals. You should not have been doing your Frank Welker impression of lion impressions because listen to your voice now. Jeff. I know. Jeffrey. I, don't, I do not have a voice. My nose isn't working. So, anyways, I'm Jeff, the one that can't talk in this week's episode. That's DC, the one that will be I, talking a lot in this week's episode. Uh, I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> well, well, we'll just see how well this episode goes, but uh, I, I wanted I, this was the only time available for us to record, and I wanted to make sure we could record it and get this week's episode out, because I know, TC, as you usually do, you manage to keep this show going every single week, whether I'm here or I'm, not. So, <laughs> I, But I want, I like, I like, I'm a team, we're a team, Jeff. We are, we are the Timon and Pumbaa of this podcast. Of all the people involved in this podcast, of everyone involved, I'll, I'll I mean, really, you and I, we're the, we're the Timon and Pumbaa of this. Um, of this. Am, am I, am I Pumbaa? Is that, is that, is that the character? Yeah. You're yeah. the Nathan yeah. Lane of the two of us? I'm the Nathan Lane. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time that I would normally that's do. That's right. That's what I am, Jeff. That's what I'm for. That was a little more Jerry Lewis. I, I, uh, not entirely. Nathan, Nathan Lane's got a very distinct voice. And, uh, he's very, <laughs> he's very Brooklyn. They're, and Jewish. They're, that is better. Oh, oh man. man, do you? Can I'm I personally sick. be? I'll be. I'll be Nathan Lane. I'll be Timon. But but you can voice me. I do your voice for you. That's perfectly. Okay. I think I probably could do Pumbaa, but I don't want to ruin the little bit of voice I have left right now. So I will. So not. everyone, we we went to. We are 1994, correct? Yes. Yes. 1994, 19... The Lion King. Yes. So uh, a couple years had part, uh, separated between this one and Aladdin. We definitely have a lot of um, new people behind the scenes working on The Lion King. We don't have uh, Alan Menken and um, Howard Ashman uh, since uh, Howard, Ash Howard, yeah, Howard Ashman had passed away midway through yes. Aladdin. So we get Elton John and Tim Rice. Now, Tim Rice did some lyrics for Aladdin, so he kind of... Kept, he kind of came over with it as well. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I can definitely say just right out of the bat, if you look at the <clears> songs <throat> from Aladdin and you look at the songs from The Lion King, they are two very different worlds of music. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. The the Howard Ashman and, and Mencken coming from a background of Broadway, mm -hmm. that Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, they have a Broadway feel to them. And though Lion King did go on to become one of the biggest Broadway hits of all time, this music does feel quite a bit different than than the music we've had up to this point, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I, I'm, I guess we're diving right into talking about music here. This, if you, Tim Rice and Elton John have cranked out some incredible hits on this, on this oh, soundtrack, yeah. but even more, Hans Zimmer, the first animated score that Hans Zimmer in fact Hans Zimmer didn't even want to do this but he was convinced by the the content and the themes that he dove into this and this he considers this the achievement of his entire career the soundtrack to Aladdin it's um, and, Lion King oh, oh, oh sorry sorry yes yes <laughs> <a> Lion King <laughs> All that preamble to screw up there at the end. Way I, to I, go. I know, I know, you know, and what's all my fault? It's because I'm sick and I'm infecting you, TC. <laughs> uh, but this the the score of this is so good. The the uh, Zimmer along with with Elton John and Tim Rice's pop hits are the the lyrical songs in this. 
as well as the musical uh, uh, um, uh, consulting that you got from uh, the the uh, African choirs mm-hmm. and Libo M, I think, is the the composer's name who was originally approached to do this, who did create some of the themes that went on to be part of the Broadway show. The music behind this alone is definitely some is just an achievement of of music for for this library and for film in general. I will say this uh, this movie's soundtrack is the first soundtrack I ever owned. Oh um, wow! Okay. So and you know the which which I mean back when back when these things came out in the nineties, uh, well, I guess you could even argue up until maybe like the mid two thousands. But uh, a lot of them always would just be the handful of the the songs that were in the movie. So if there was any actual lyrical songs, and then you might mm-hmm. get a couple tracks of the score because nobody really cared about the score of a film. Um, there was specialty excuse me specialty releases of the score but they were very limited they were minimum they only came out to certain collectors and they were gone um but this soundtrack actually had kind of a uh, almost an equal balance i feel like between between like the five or six tim rice elton john songs so like circle of life and um just can't wait to, can't be, wait king, to be king you know and obviously can you feel the love tonight that's a huge that's yeah. the one I think a lot of people think of. Uh, it's what won the Oscar, um, right? <laughs> but uh, but the the but then like the second half of the album was all of the like was a good selection of the themes and the score. And I just remember as a kid being being like, wow, I I didn't know you could get the music to the movie. I I, I didn't realize the impact of a score on a movie until I started like listening to this soundtrack and then move my way into other ones like a goofy movie and you know the list goes on from there but then once yeah. i once you heard the score by itself and you realize wow there's a lot of emotion and impact in there that i guess i was picking up while watching the movie subconsciously you know yeah the, the, it's more than just the fill music the 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 uh, tonal music not not that it it plays in tones, but the uh, the mood setting music that has come from previous films, mm-hmm. not to disparage the scores of of any of the films we've seen in the library up to this point. But Hans Zimmer, being the the modern legend he is in terms of composition, to bring that level of experience and skill to this film elevates it. And uh, it this this movie is an anomaly. I'm going to jump right into talking about the behind the scenes stuff if you don't okay. mind, Jeff. Please do. So this this is a perfect example. Much, and we're going to get some other examples of this coming down the pipe, of when there isn't studio meddling, when you don't have the uh, people like Jeffrey Katzenberg and the higher-ups meddling and poking at a film. This movie did go through a series of, of pokes and prods, but in general, Lion King was considered the B-team. Because mm-hmm. after the success of Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, all the efforts, all the energy was going towards Pocahontas. Pocahontas was the pinnacle of hubris <laughs> from the Disney Animation Studios, uh, Disney Animation Studios, because they just they were like, "Oh, we we got this. We know how to win awards. We know how to win Golden Globes and Oscars." Pocahontas is the prestige picture. Hey, you with your your funny experimental lion movie. Right. You guys go over here. We're gonna we're gonna and. By letting, by pulling back the the suits and allowing the artists to just do what they do, uh, Lion King and some other movies we will see uh, thrive because it's the it's the artists giving it their all, almost having to prove that like, hey, we may be the JV squad, but we're we we got spirit, yes we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and one thing that's very interesting, I, I found this out that, and I remember this, I remember seeing the trailer for this movie in theaters and mm-hmm. on home video and all that. And the trailer is the opening song. That's all uh, yeah. that the trailer uh, oh, is. Circle of Life, yeah. Circle of Life. Up until the smash cut of the Lion King title. <laughs> and that was the trailer, which just shows you... You could you could look at that one, two, one of two ways. And that could show you how little they actually cared about even like, well, right. well whatever. Here's just a trailer. It's the first five minutes. I don't care. Go ahead. Just yeah, whatever. Like that mentality. Or you could, you could see that as the people who were working on that movie going... Guys, we have we have something really amazing that we don't even have to show the rest of the movie. We're basically showing you the chapter one title card, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the first page of a book, and then just go, yeah, you read that first page, you read those like ten lines, yeah, you like it, huh? Yeah, okay, we're not going to show you anymore. Like we're yeah, come so back, come back for more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's interesting to see whether that was you know, that it could be either direction. It could have either been 
the lack of care from the studio or the internal care from the people working on it. Yeah. Well, this is this marks the last uh, work with Jeffrey Katzenberg's name on it. This is the end of his credited oh. work. Oh, <laughs> I missed the but, Katzenberg moment. <laughs> but we will get we will get at least one more of that because, and I'm serious about the the ambition. It, it went to his head. I think it went to his head, and I'm, I'm putting it on him as the figurehead of, of the animation studios for what we're going to talk about next week with Pocahontas. Mm. Now, I won't go into too much about that because, obviously, this is about Lion King, but this is this is the end of, of his era, the end of his meddling, and for in some respects, one might, one might question whether or not this is the peak of the Renaissance. Is anything going to be better than the Lion King? Uh, which is to be determined in ter- it, as far as our conversations are concerned. But this was it. Lion King is one of the highest grossing movies of all time. It's the best selling home video of all time. <laughs> I There's remember something about talking this film. about it when it came out on home video. I remember that. I'm we're we're now in the age. Well, we've been in the age for a little bit, but now it's becoming. I, I'm having more and more memories of these films when they were released, either in theaters. Or mm-hmm. on home video, and like I know where I was in school, I know what I was doing. I, I I'm remembering more and more of this uh, of this stuff, and I remember it being a big deal when The Lion King came out on home video. Gosh, I I can remember sitting. Did Did you see this in theaters? Do you have any memory of seeing this in the theaters? This one, I think I did see this one in theaters. Um, I, it's I can the, it would have been the last one that I would have saw in theaters though. Oh, before you you took your Disney break, <laughs> right? Before I took my Disney break, because at this point, this movie came out. I was ten years old when it came mm-hmm. out, and after this, the next one was Pocahontas, which I'm like, oh, it looks like another girl movie. I don't want to see a girl movie, ew. And then I stopped caring at that point, unfortunately. Well, well, I can remember seeing this. I have, I don't have a again like Aladdin and some of our pre. I don't have a full memory of seeing of experiencing the whole film, but I can specifically remember sitting probably in the front row next to my cousin Aaron and and crying when Mufasa died. Oh. <laughs> like I can re- I can remember being moved and affected by that moment like I had never been before and that, well, that's that heavy stuff. Me. That's heavy stuff for a kid. I mean, we're we're and this kind of gets into my first section at the end, but up until this point by watching all the Disney movies that we've seen, yeah, we have main characters that don't have parents or have single parents so it's either the parent has left or the parents have died or there's been a you know a horrific mm-hmm. accident we have all of those things but we saw Simba's dad be murdered on screen like yeah that's yeah. intense <laughs> like it this is beyond not, this is beyond Bandy's Bambi's mom getting killed oh, we yeah. actually saw him get murdered <laughs> right I mean we've seen villains get killed on screen but they're the bad guys we don't care about them we've spent the first what is it about half the movie, a little less than half of the film with this character. And then this character gets killed and we see its lifeless body on the ground. And we see this little boy, the, the child of this character crying and not understanding what to do and thinking it's all his fault and running away. That's deep for a kid's movie. Holy yeah. Crap. yeah it, that that's heavy duty. This, this movie is, th- this movie ha- is responsible for addressing death just point blank. And, it, it maybe that's why this movie succeeded the way it did because it's not, it's not, uh, it, it's certainly not pandering. And I don't feel that many of the Disney movies do pander. It it does. It's still a family film, but it it brings up a lot of a lot deeper themes than I think that we've experienced up to this point. Very point blank themes of death and the circle of life. Not to not not intending to be punny there, but Ma- to be able to. Sorry, I had to do it once. To, sit, to be able to use this movie to, I can I can remember when I had a relative I had a relative pass away, and to explain it to my little cousin, my aunt was able to say, hey, you know, when when Mufasa went 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 away, and and try and being able to use it as a as a a way to discuss death with kids mm-hmm. is very powerful and and. And I guess this lends to the: Is this movie good for kids? Is this movie have lessons worth learning? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. But there are there are definitely great ways to have conversations with kids about some deeper themes. Well, I mean, this courtesy movie, of this film, this movie deals with you know loss of a parent. This deals with growing up. This deals with um, not necessarily not self loathing, but um, like 
uh, like self-esteem issues, like because Simba doesn't think he can ever be as good as his dad, and that, mm-hmm, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. and then just coming to yeah, coming to come. It's a, it's obvious, very much so, literally a coming of age story because we watch yeah. Simba grow up from a cub <laughs> to a full-grown lion, um, and it also yeah, deals it, with like anger issues because you really expect. Um, not spoilers. The movie's twenty-two years old. <laughs> Meh. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, it deals with like anger issues. The fact that Simba could have flat out have killed Scar at the end of the movie. Like he could have. Right. He he could have been like, no, I'm getting revenge for what you did to my father, and fling him off the, you know, off the edge of the cliff. But then, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's. But he he lets him go. He's just like, no, I just don't ever want to see you again. Leave. So he's taking the moral high ground because he is not like Scar. He is not going to sink to that level. And it's yeah, a, yeah. but and, but he, I guess you could argue he had every right to because, you know, Scar killed his dad and then turned everybody against Simba. Like he, Simba could have just been like, no, I'm just getting my own revenge, but he doesn't do it. And it's kind of a nice morality tale there. Sure, sure. It's <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful coming of age. Uh, the journey he goes from be this selfish little, I'm going to be king to realizing the the gravity of that and growing up and be being that better man is is a great journey to to send this character on and and yes this is very clearly a couple of things this is this is hamlet <laughs> yep. it's very easy lion <laughs> hamlet um, which which lends to what we've we've talked about sword in the stone and robin hood and the great mouse detective being great entry points for uh, younger people to to experience further uh, literature and and other mm-hmm. bits of uh, of culture and th- be, this being this animated version of Hamlet works really well. It also uh, has elements of some biblical tales like Moses and and uh, and Joseph, and uh, there are there are other similarities, but clearly wearing Hamlet on its sleeve. Right. And and to this day, denied by Disney, they they say no plagiarism ever took place whatsoever but but uh kimba the white lion which is a <laughs> japanese animated film that's who boy guys if you want to just uh, jump on and watch a comparison between these two holy cow <laughs> what do you mean what do you mean kimba it sounds nothing like simba they start so, with two yeah. very different letters guys okay? it is it, <laughs> there's it's really it's you know what if it is it is the better film. Lion King is a superior film to Kim of the White Lion, but the, the, it is so close. The fact that they just to this day was nope, we did not rip it off. It's just parallel thinking. It's just coincidental. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. The Adam, the main character's name is Kimba. Come on, how close? <laughs> I call Guys, baloney. <laughs> at, at the very least, if this is a ripoff, it's it must have started very very low on the food chain if mm-hmm. someone stole this idea it came from one person and everyone involved very well could not have been aware and it wasn't right. until after the fact that's maybe like months into production where it's like wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> well i do know that they that the original intention of the film was it was supposed to be it was supposed to take place in the jungle and be about a bunch of um lions um and be called king of the jungle that was the movie was that was what it was supposed to be called until somebody pointed out that lions don't live in the jungle (laughs) so they went oh and they kind of reworked the story a little bit (laughs) but i thought lions king of the jungle i mean i hear that all the time are you telling me that that idiom is incorrect you sir the thing is is it's the whole uh the lion sleeps at night has just brainwashed all of society everybody thinks because that song (laughs) you have been lied to in the jungle (laughs) the mighty jungle (laughs) also disney got sued for using that song anyways really they did oh my god well they didn't disney they didn't have the rights to the people who technically own the original (laughs) song whatever it's disney come on (laughs) that, that that might lend to that whole uh, thinking they're king of the mountain, <laughs> that attitude, like, hey, or king of do? the Jewess. <laughs> well, oh, sir, yes, there's yes. a law settlement here now for us. Oh, again, why do we keep saying this? <laughs> All right, let, I think there there's definitely something something we're talking about here. When you look at the structure, obviously being inspired by Hamlet and mm-hmm. possibly ripped off of Kimba. All that aside, the structure of the screenplay is impeccable. Oh, uh, yeah. We actually did get a comment from. Uh, Thomas on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash topshelfpod, if you want to comment there. Uh, he had a teacher in college who loved to cite the screenplay 
when teaching a screenwriting class. Yeah, he goes into more detail there, which I'll touch on later, Thomas. But I 100% agree that this screenplay is really good. That the structure of it, the pace of it, the the exposition dumps being very uh, craftily put into to scenes. And one of my favorite things, the first character you meet by name is Scar. You meet Scar. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you get the whole opening sequence with like the, you know, it's a bit, yeah, like all that. Right. Like you see that you see Rafiki and Simba and Mufasa, Sarabi, you get them, right? But the first character you truly meet is the villain. And Jeremy Irons freaking oh. kills it in this movie. He is Man. so good. Jeremy Irons delivers what I can only say is a Shakespearean theatrical performance oh, as Scar. Man. Because yes. he is just well aware that he is the villain and he is going to deliver every line like a traditional theatrical villain. And it doesn't oh, matter so what good. he is saying. Oh, no. Did I let that slip? <laughs> oh, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to. Like, it's all it's, that. Just. Yeah. He's oozing with evilness, which I love. And he he knows it. Mufasa knows it. Mufasa even calls him out on Like, is that a challenge? Oh, no. I would never deem to challenge you. (laughs) I have the brains. You have the brawn. Like, he is... Every every line of dialogue that Jeremy Irons delivers as Scar is just perfection. His... uh, My favorite, and I made a note of this, but my favorite is right before Mufasa dies and Scar's clawed into him on the side of the mountain and he mm-hmm. leans down to him and he just goes long live the king and just the lets king. him go that is <laughs> such it's so over the top it's so cliche it's so theatrical no it's, it's so perfect. good <laughs> and i get i i i don't quote a lot from the lion king because i just don't know all the bits and pieces but that line was one of them that i just knew and i said exactly as he said it i'm like yes i love that line <laughs> so much <laughs> Because it's so just ah, oh, so evil and so perfect and so evil. Yeah. <laughs> the the delivery that he's able to perform, but the and it goes to the script just being so well done. Uh, real, really, really, really impressive work um, from all the voice acting. James Earl Jones. I mean, come on, that's you get a better voice than Mufasa. I don't even care. One of my favorite, my one of my least, I'm least interested in, as far as trivia is concerned. Nine times out of ten is when I see lists of, well, they wanted this person or this person auditioned for the part. I don't care about that. I don't care who they had up for consideration. The only little bit that I find interesting is they wrote it with Sean Connery in mind. But, Mm -hmm. God, no way. I mean, whatever. Sean Connery, the legend that he is, yada, yada, yada. James Earl Jones Mufasa is you couldn't ask for it better. That's that is he is the king of the king of Pride Rock. His his because his his voice comes off sounding like a roar in its own right. It's so deep, it's so bass filled that every mm-hmm. line he speaks, it kinda sounds like a quiet roar being formed into sentences, and that's perfect. Because you get that power and that demeanor of uh, Mufasa just through his voice alone. You go, yeah, that's the yeah. voice of a lion. That's what I would expect a lion to sound like if he was <laughs> talking. <is> yeah. <laughs> well, Matthew Broderick, if, on if, the other hand, not so much. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, we'll talk about them in just a split second. I want to say this, I'm, I, and this will be on the Ghost Hat page just below. Mm-hmm. If you want to see, you want to have a good chuckle, there are outtakes that they presented with the Lion King 3D. So the video the video will be below this episode on okay. the on the ghost hat page, uh, which I will make sure you you have Jeff. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but for there, doing so. if it's if you wanna if you wanna love James Earl Jones even more, I you'll 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 get it with uh, with the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, I'm intrigued to see this. I have never seen these outtakes. It'll be yeah. fantastic. So, but but let's talk about Matthew Broderick. Actually, there's there's two two things worth mentioning uh, in terms of the the vocal performances here though i think jonathan taylor thomas as young simba and and matthew braddock as adult simba do a great job they are not the singing voices right and the singing voices are voice actors or 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 even actors the singing voice for simba uh you wouldn't know him by name but if you ever saw mighty ducks the uh, Jesse is the, uh, the the there's the two little black boys in it. The the tough one is the singing voice of Simba. That kid can what? act. Why wasn't he, why wasn't he the voice actor for for 
Well, I know why, because you can cash in on the success of Jonathan Taylor Thomas's popularity. Oh, yeah, because he was in the midst of home improvement at that point. Yeah, and then the reverse of that is Matthew Broderick has went on to win Tonys. <laughs> they didn't know it at the time, but the dude can sing. So Starring with Nathan Lane, guys. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Timon. Yeah, Mul- multiple Tony Award Awards for, for his Broadway performances, so Matthew Broderick can sing as well. So it's just, uh, not that there's a terrible amount of adult is there any adult Simba singing? Now that I think about it, I don't think there is. So uh, A little bit in Hakuna Matata. Oh, right. Yes, thank you. Yep. Um, but uh, the vocal performances from, from them are fine. I just think it would have been nice, especially because there's such African roots to this whole film, to essentially whitewash the voices to your main character. That's, that's kind of a check in the negative column for the movie. True. Sorry. True. Yeah. Well, since we are talking about singing voices, I do want to bring this up because I know I hinted at it on a previous episode and I want to just talk about it. So Jeremy Irons does, in fact, do two thirds of the villain song. Yes. So for uh, singing. The, the, the Be Prepared, an incredible villain oh, song oh, it's, with, with freaking Hitler imagery. Come on. Now. I know, right? <laughs> I've forgotten about all the Hitler I, imagery and I, in I, it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, like praising that, by the way. I'm, I'm pointing out like what, what better way to show someone's evil? Yep. Then make it look like <laughs> the hyenas or the Nazi soldiers and yeah, Scar just, is Hitler. Just, just <laughs> wanted to be clear on that, that I'm not uh, like, yay! No, I'm saying boo, but impressive <laughs> but well done. boo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stand over here. You keep talking. Go ahead. So uh, Timon and Pumbaa were <laughs> sung by the voice actors. Um, Nathan Lane and I, I am spacing on the actor who Ernie. does Pumbaa. What? Ernie Sabella. Ernie Thank Sabella. Um, yeah. So they're done by their voice actors. And then be prepared, Jeremy Irons did do the first two-thirds of Be Prepared. Um, mm-hmm. The last verse, right after You Won't Get a Sniff Without Me, is... So prepare for the coup of the century. Right, that is not Jeremy Irons. Is it Jim Cummings? That's Jim Cummings. <laughs> Aha, there we go. So, oh, man. so that's what you were saying last week about how he can even do impressions of people. Right. So now a lot of people, like this is, and this was even up until recently, like I wanted to, before I, I talked about it, I looked up the articles because I wanted to verify. Because I remember on the soundtrack of the album, it said Be Prepared was performed by uh, Jeremy Irons, Whoopi Goldberg, Cheech Marin, and Jim Cummings. Now, right. Jim, well, who, Jim, Jim Cummings yeah. does the third hyena in the movie. Ed. Ed the, Ed, Ed. Ed the laughing hyena. No. Right. <laughs> but Ed doesn't say anything in Be Prepared. Huh. So I'm like, even as a kid, I'm like, well, then who does Jim, who is Jim, like, but this is before internet, so I'm like, I don't know, I couldn't just look up this information and be like, well, who does, who's, who does, what does Jim Cummings do? Right. Um, and it was years later that they revealed that. Uh, and this was the rumor, but it has been confirmed by Jim Cummings. He has confirmed that he did do it. Um, nice. What happened was Jeremy Irons like ruined his voice while singing the first two third, and the, we the really went for it, <laughs> right? And the the theory is like you listen to how he says, "You won't get a sniff without me," and it's very guttural, very back of the throat, and it could very well have like ruined his voice before the. Like for that day that they needed to record the song before they could get uh, yes. to the final big part, which was going to get bigger and more grander and all that. And so they brought in Jim Cummings to mimic the voice <laughs> as close as they can. So now go back and listen to Be Prepared. And you mm-hmm. will, now that I pointed it out, if you did not know this, you will hear a noticeable difference in the voice. I won't be able to unhear it. No, you will not. And that's also the reason why they brought up so much of the backing vocals and why Jafar or sorry, why Scar's voice is kind of buried in a choir and more music. It's just it's bigger and because they were trying to hide the fact that it wasn't Jeremy Irons anymore. Interesting. That's that's amazing. Oh man, that's so cool. It, that was one of the first weird. pieces of trivia I ever learned in my life. And I always <laughs> loved that piece of trivia. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like they 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 did that and they didn't tell anybody. Like <laughs> those cheeky monkeys. Ah. Who's the monkey? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the but to continue actually talking about the music, particularly that one, mm-hmm. uh, all the all the music all the musical numbers in this whole film are directed so well. They are blocked so well. They are the the visualization of them are just 
expertly crafted musical numbers. I know it's weird to think of directing when talking about animation, but the the decision on how the camera moves and the blocking of the characters and even going so far as I just can't wait to be king, the color palette changing when Simba starts the song. Mm-hmm. It becomes those pastels and those uh, those uh, much more vibrant colors. Uh, and the we just talked about the imagery they used for Be Prepared, The even Hakuna Matata being a fantastic passage of time song right. to be able to... Uh, in fact... All the transitions, courtesy of Hans Zimmer's score, using nature to show the rain, to show time passing, um, again, expertly, expertly crafted. Um, but the, the musical numbers are so good in this and so fun to watch. So much so that, Jeff, I need to ask you, which version did you watch? So I knew you were going to ask me that, um, yeah. and I wanted to make sure. So I watched, I watched a high-def version of the film, but it's not the special edition. It, okay, so, so it you saw did the not right. It did not have the morning report in the movie. Now I did watch the special edition release with the morning report in, and I, and this is another situation where the first time I watched it, I was like, "Whoa, what? What is this?" It's funny because <laughs> when I was watching, Candace was like, "Why are you watching this crap?" <laughs> Jokingly, so, but she's not wrong. It stands out, and even if you'd, even if I didn't know that this was an additional song. I would point at that song being the 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 least impressive one. There's not very interesting blocking. There's not very interesting visuals to go with it. It's just it's a fun song. Mm-hmm. I, if uh, I, I just check out, it's just a slew of puns for two minutes, courtesy of Zazu, <laughs> and it's a great song from the Broadway show. That uh, they always wanted it in the movie, but it was one of those that got cut because of time and resources, much like the human again from Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I definitely don't think human again needs to be in Beauty and the Beast. I don't really feel like this one. I do like the song quite a bit, but I don't think it has a. I don't think it works. I don't think it's worth having. You didn't see it in context of watching the film, so obviously you can't speak of it. But I'm curious if anyone listening watched one versus the other and, and what feelings are about that additional song. Mm-hmm. I do uh, I do remember where it sits because, yeah, it's near the beginning of the film and, uh, Zia, um, uh, oh, my goodness, Rowan Atkinson's character. Uh, Zezu. 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 Zezu, like, Zezu, he flaps, Zezu, why am I not loved? <laughs> he flaps down and hits the ground and he's like, time for the morning report. And I know that's where the song normally sits or where yes. the song sits. And... I know that much. Like, in my head, I know that's where the song plays out at. But watching the right. normal version and me being like, yeah, I know there's supposed to be a song there, but this works so much better without a break into another song already. Yeah. Like, just just keep I, the story going. You know, we have a long ways to go until Mufasa <laughs> dies before even Simba grows up. Like, yeah, it's, an, it's an unnecessary unnecessary divergence from the pace of the film, and I, I think it does hurt it a little bit. But I will say, if you're a fan of this movie... I mean, if you're really a fan, you've already listened to the Broadway version. But if if you haven't, seek out the Broadway soundtrack. Listen to it from beginning to to end, because all the additional music, all the additional songs added to the Broadway show are unbelievably amazing songs. Shadowlands and um, uh, the the madness of King Scar. There's some great additional material for the Broadway version that I, I highly recommend. Fantastic. I've never seen or heard the Broadway show, unfortunately. Oh, I feel Jeff, like I'm, I'm missing yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, ch- check it out, man. Check it out. Especially because it goes to, uh, talking about, we were mentioning earlier, that this does have more adult themes. It feels more uh, dealing with murder and killing and all these, all that. Uh, I think that this movie itself, Lion King the Animated Film, is, is a more cinematic piece of film it's more than just an animated movie it's a really complex and well done feature film um beyond it being animated fantastic there you go <laughs> so you have no, nothing to <laughs> tc uh, said it far much better than anything i could have said I, I i was trying to think of something to to go off onto it but uh i i i Unfortunately, I did not. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, so sorry. Uh, let me flip. I'll flip. I'll flip the coin and and try to be a little more critical of it. Do you think Zazu is just a lesser version of Sebastian? Yes, because they have in very very similar role. I mean, hell, if this was a if if this was live action, 
and put a pin in that. I'll come back to it. If this was live action, it would even be like casting the same actor to play the character again. Right. Cause, right. cause Zazu, when you look at his role in the film, he doesn't really have one. He's kind of this, I wouldn't even count him as a secondary character. He's more of like a, was it a tertiary? Is that the right term? Third? Yeah, that, that would be, that would that would be a proper use of that term. Yes. <laughs> Yay! I sound smart today while sick. This is only because I'm sick, guys. If I was so, if I was I was gonna say if I was sober, if I was healthy, <laughs> I would not be like this at all. Uh, um, the truth comes out. <laughs> I, uh, guys, when I'm not drinking, I'm just sick. Uh, no, so he because he almost comes off as 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 a tertiary character because he, he when he when he goes to try to find Simba. Like when he's when Simba's stuck on the branch, like during the the stampede, the wilderness stampede, he's like, "Don't mm-hmm. worry, Mufasa's coming to get you." He can't even save Simba. There's nothing he can actually do, and then he gets trapped in that little bone jail cell in Scar's lab or Scar's mm-hmm. uh, um, cave layer. Layer. layer yeah. Thank you. And sings him songs. So he's basically just there for entertainment. He, there's well, that's, n- no other purpose for him to be there. But not yeah. even like the audience entertainment. He's only there for a character's entertainment. In the film, he has a he has a little bit a little bit of exposition offered up earlier in the film, but for the most part, he is the very he's the very definition of a tertiary character. And if and from a screenwriting perspective, if or just a film viewer perspective, if you want to know the difference between a secondary or a supporting character versus someone like Zazu, who is this this non character, it's the the uh, moving the plot along. Timon and Pumbaa move the plot along. They they are part of the plot. Zazu, mm-hmm. though he is a character involved in, in the plots, he does not advance the story. No. So he's not so much of a supporting character to the protagonist in Simba or the villain in um, or the antagonist in Scar. He is supportive to Mufasa. Mufasa is a supporting character to the protagonist and antagonist. And that's, that's just a little uh, uh, screenwriting 101, storytelling writing 101. But it's true. It's very true because you see Timon and Pumbaa, like them on screen, even though they don't show up for, again, like 45 minutes into the film, they don't show up until halfway through it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed every moment that they were on on screen. They were entertaining. They were fun. They helped educate, you know, the viewer. They helped educate the character. And like you said, they helped drive the plot along. And like I enjoyed all of them. They felt necessary to the plot. If you had cut Zezu out of the film, I really Mm -hmm. honestly don't think it would have been missed. His few lines that helped further the plot in some spots could easily have been given to another character already existing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you're, you're not wrong about Timon and Pumbaa because boy, I, every movie we've come along, I'm like, that's the greatest, this of all time. Sebastian's the greatest sidekick. Uh, 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 I think that Timon and Pumbaa and the hyenas, these are two amazing sidekicks, uh, uh, the duo of Timon and Puma, sidekick to Simba, are though they have, they don't actually have that much screen presence in the or screen time in the film. They have a crap ton of presence and are so memorable. I mean, Hakuna Matata itself is you know, one of the most well-known Disney songs of all time. But even the right before "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," I can, I can see what's happening. What? <laughs> and they don't have a clue, right? Like that Ooh, intro yeah. into. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can you feel love tonight? Uh, they're those two as as sidekick characters as a duo are so so good. And I was going to touch on this. I said I would touch on this. Another comment that Thomas made was from that screenwriting teacher. One of the points that uh, was made was uh, that that Thomas finds interesting, and I've I've heard this as well, is that Timon and Pumbaa are symbolically gay parents. They are a same-sex couple raising Ooh. a child, and I've I've heard that theory before, and I I really like that idea. Though I don't necessarily think that that was their intended meaning when they mm-hmm. wrote the characters. It is a a meaning that has come out as time has gone on in a very positive and uh, it's a, it's a great representation of of that idea that's right i was going to say cuz it's it's a representation of the idea that uh, two same sex individuals could raise a child and the child could still uh, is not is not going to be messed up the child's going to grow up to be still you know a perfectly normal person there's nothing bad that can happen out of it we're getting yeah, a little bit too yeah. political here but you know like it's <laughs> it's very it's 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 a representation of that that no it's not a bad thing 
there's nothing wrong with having two same-sex individuals raise a child. Like, look how well yeah. Simba did. Simba came back and still had the moral or morality to let Scar go. You know, he didn't come out like a murderer or anything weird like that. No, it's there's nothing wrong with it. Go. Yeah, that 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 uh, I feel like is a, a a nice way to to have a conversation with someone who might disagree, who right. might say like, no, no, yeah, yeah, gay couple can't marry kid. I, I this this is my here you go, folks. Here's a little uh, here's a little game you can play. If someone is 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 speaking to that, you can say like, you know what? Let's let's stop talking about this. Let's let's change the subject. You ever see The Lion King? Isn't that a great movie? And then and get that person to be like, oh yeah, I love the lion. Akuna Matata, right? And I'm like, scar, yeah, be prepared. It's like. Yeah, yeah, Timon and Puma, how great are they? Oh, I love Timon and Puma, it's so good, it's so good, yeah, yeah. You know, they're a gay couple. Oh. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, I mean, they're a same-sex couple that, that adopted and raised a, a, a kid to be a perfectly healthy person, or an individual. <laughs> I hate the Lion King! <laughs> yep, that's where I was expecting that to go, so... <laughs> rock. You can rock some worlds, there you go. <laughs> Uh, obviously, we don't like to get too political on this, so I'll move. I'll move along here. I do, um, but yeah, I, I do want to just really. I want to agree that I love Timon and Pumbaa. They are my favorite part of this movie so much so that like I've never seen the sequels. I've never seen Lion King two. What is it? The Pride Rock or whatever uh, Simba's. I don't. I don't even know. I don't care. I've never <laughs> yeah. seen any of the sequels except for Lion King one and a half. Because it's uh, Gillister and Rosencrantz are dead. <laughs> exactly. And I love that so much. And it's Timon. Oh, it is. I'm sorry. I'm going to say something a little negative here. I actually think it's better than The Lion King. Oh, but Jeff, Jeff, much like The Godfather 2 is the better film than The Godfather 1, can you, you truly appreciate the second movie no. without having seen the first movie? No, and I will completely agree with that because <laughs> you need to have seen the first one, experienced the first one, and know the first one in order for half of the sequel to make any sense. And I so, will completely yeah. agree with you that they are, it is a, you could say they could be a hashtag package film if you really want to, ah, uh, ah. where you could combine or you could, I almost put on Lion King one and a half yesterday mm. <laughs> after I finished watching Lion King, but I didn't want to confuse myself with what happened in Lion King and what happened in <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> so I did So not. for the. For those not in the know, uh, because so Hamlet being I, I don't know have you heard of have you heard of the the play Hamlet Jeff it's a it's a little known uh, play written by a little known guy named Bill Shakespeare that's the that's the two people in Verona that love each other yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay okay I've totally seen it love it it's great Leo was so, fantastic in it uh, there's a <laughs> I know it's not Romeo and Juliet yeah that's chuckle lots um, there's a there's a there's a, a play that was <laughs> that was created so called uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, which are Hamlet's two buddies, and they are responsible for everything that happens in the, the play Hamlet by accident. They they accidentally cause everything that happens. So by embracing that Lion King is so much like Hamlet's. Uh, they did a Timon and Pumbaa movie, Lion yep. King One and a Half, where they're responsible for everything that happened. <laughs> and they're the main characters, and like it literally opens with the opening of the Lion King, but then I think Timon pops up a kind of mystery science theater style and like <laughs> fast forwards through the film until they get to their part. Like <laughs> get to our part. <laughs> and then they I think Pumbaa like skips it back and he's like, No, wait, we have to we have to go back. We have to tell the whole story. <laughs> like it's just back and forth. It's very it's very it's very entertaining. I I I, I think though, it's hilarious. <laughs> though I do I do as anyone listening to this cast long enough knows, I do turn my nose up at the direct to DVD sequels. The they just don't have the resources or the passion behind them that creates the original films. It most times they are just cash grabs. There are these rare exceptions, like I mentioned last week, uh, Aladdin three, but by getting Robin Williams back. Um, even the Hercules cartoon series isn't isn't too too shabby. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, like a lot of the the. Of Renaissance eras have spin-off movies and shows. Uh, the Lion King one and a half definitely falls in that ballpark of oh no, this one actually is worth it. <laughs> I I challenge people to go watch the second Lion King though and see if that's any good. I Lion believe King I mentioned that Simba's the Bride. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I mentioned that on the episode where the Q and A, the bonus I did a few weeks ago, that it's not. 
That that's one to go back and rewatch because it might not be as good as you remember it. Oh, so that one was influenced by Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, well. of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> also, in well, case there's about- anybody outside of America listening to this podcast, if you don't know, Lion King one and a half is called Lion King three Hakuna Matata. Elsewhere in the oh, world, it- just weird. in case. Okay, everybody, <laughs> just just so everybody knows. Just in case. Okay. Anyways, you okay. were saying. Okay. Uh, the, the, I just wanted to mention the hyenas one more time that that they are such great hench people because they have three distinct personalities and and performed great by Cheech Marin, Whoopi Goldberg, and Jim Cummings doing Ed, though he's just laughing through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. They are very distinct characters in support of, of, uh, of Scar and... They, I, that's how you successfully create hench people. Because if you look at like the Dobermans from, from Oliver and Company, uh, do you even remember their names? No, no. <laughs> right? It's or or the or the uh, the the hench people to Maleficent or uh, the I think a, a better example would be like Edgar and Horace from or Jasper and Horace from Cruella Deville's uh, hench people from Hundred One mm-hmm. Dalmatians. They are they're two distinct personalities, and and the hyenas are just great examples of, of how to do that right. So right. definitely worth, again, tipping the hat to to the script itself. Uh, but there is something here that I, I'm surprised no one commented on in the comments section, or maybe I just didn't see it. What's with the inconsistency on which animals can and cannot talk? We've done it again. Yep. We've done it again. Because We've come across characters where some of the animals can talk, some of them can't. Like it's, yeah. It seems like it's only the lions and the hyenas and then Timon and Pumbaa. Uh, oh, and I guess Sazu. Uh, but what about like the wild, the wildebeest and the bugs and the birds? Like, but then there are birds like Zazu that can can talk. It's just a. It's once again that strange inconsistency that once once I was aware of it, it was hard to ignore. Like, well, okay, it really is. The characters that need to be part of the plot can talk, so that's the convenience to it. And <laughs> right. the ones that don't need to talk, don't talk. And it's like, we don't want to cast another voice actor just for two lines. Sorry, guys. That animal just doesn't talk <laughs> at all. Like, the wildebeests are just a force of nature. They're, no one's blaming them for murdering Mufasa. <laughs> I know. That's See, now there's the one thing. Okay, let's, let's look at Scar's plan really quickly. So his whole plan was that he was going to get Simba down in the valley. The wildebeests were going to come down... We're going to get Mufasa to come down to save Simba. And then I'm assuming the plan was to have both of them trampled by the wildebeest. Okay. Right? Like, I'm yeah. assuming yeah, that, that was the plan, right? He, he was going to, yeah, they were both going to get just destroyed by the wildebeest. So, in that light, now obviously Simba managed to survive. So then Scar had to improvise and say, well, it was his fault that Mufasa died. He was the one that led... Uh, you know, that that was playing around where he shouldn't have been and Mufasa wouldn't have gone down there if he was listening to his father. But right. it's like, okay, well, yes, but but the wildebeest still killed <laughs> Mufasa. Like, yeah, okay, yes. Well, yeah. I'm sure they ate every one of them. Every single yeah, one of yeah, them. Every single one of them. They had a big old bonfire. And then once all, they, all of them were eat, eaten, they needed someone to blame. Cooked Someone wilder beast. To bl- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is, it's just an inconsistency of like, okay, once again, we have characters who can talk and characters who can't, all mm-hmm. within the animal kingdom. Fascinating as per usual. <laughs> uh, so weird. Maybe uh, one day we'll get the we'll get to the uh, we'll, we'll figure out we'll figure out what why why this is the case. Now I do know that there is a theory <laughs> regarding the fact that some people believe the Lion King. Uh, it takes place inside of the same world as Planet of the Apes. <laughs> like, let's just go well, that, that crazy weird. <laughs> that is definitely a theory I was not expecting. So <laughs> where whole... in the Planet of the Apes timeline does Lion King take place? <laughs> <laughs> Supposed to be like during pretty much around the same time as uh, I do have. I will link I will link to the article on the Ghost Hat page underneath or for this episode. <laughs> But uh, basically, the idea is um, it's where the apes have taken the uh, the more become the more dominant species on the planet, and okay. uh, basically, it's um, it's uh, oh this one the one thing that the article does comment I'm just re skimming it really quick here is the fact that this is the only Disney film where talking animals don't interact with humans in some way. No, not true, but that's, that's fine. Well, well, that they're still at least established in a world with humans, 
We have no okay, idea if there's humans in this world right now. We don't like even gotcha. if okay. even with Bambi, you know, man was there, but man was never mm-hmm. seen. Um, <clears throat> and obviously, all the package the package films, all the package films were kind of along <laughs> that same line. Um, I guess uh, I guess you could argue that like Robin Hood, um, right? But okay, I I think I see what they're saying that in an animal film where the animals exist in the human world, they don't interact with humans. Right. Right. And we did get a, actually a tweet by this uh, from Peter. What era is this set in? Bowling? Did we order this food to go? It's a small world. Lovely coconuts by Monty Python. Like all, there's a lot of modern references. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I've got the lovely bunch of coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I so love there, that song. <laughs> there, there are a lot of, of modern references within the animals. Not out of, I don't feel like any of them come out of context though, because this doesn't feel like it's supposed to be any era. And so why, why couldn't it be set in the, the nineties that it came out in? Right. Now you could very well argue if we want to try to place it in an era by placing it in a world where it's the far distant future, perhaps this is before, um, Aladdin, takes place maybe there or it's possible this could be well after <laughs> okay. aladdin you know so like if aladdin if, is in the distant distant future <laughs> then this would have to also be in the distant distant future but before robin hood and all of those take place because the robin hood movies and all that that takes place in that era where animals have adapted into a human civilization they are walking around <laughs> like humans they're walking around like the apes did in Planet of the Apes. Oh, oh mm. snap, buddy. So this takes place actually before Robin Hood then, but still all before Aladdin, because Aladdin would be way in the distant future when the world is just kaput I, and the humans came back. I don't know if it's even worth trying to figure out where this movie takes place. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I don't ha- There's, I like trying to figure out where Little Mermaid fits into the grand scheme of things and Beauty and the Beast and, uh, and whatnot, but... I don't know. This movie just, it never struck me to try to figure out where this movie fits right. into any other, any other canon of, of Disney films. At the most, because it's so comparable to Bambi, it, it's, if, if that's being the case, then it exists in the same era or realm as Bambi, and therefore man does exist. We just never see it, see them in, in the Pride Lands. Right. Yeah, Which, I never, um, I never, I never anticipated it being anything but just in the modern day. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it just doesn't matter, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I have, I have some questions here, and uh, so the first question is: of all the movies we've watched so uh, far on this list, <laughs> you <laughs> jerk face, I got gotcha. you. I was actually waiting. I was gonna let you ask this time, but <laughs> my mind is not here right now. I'm so sorry. Between <laughs> between Aladdin and Lion King. So those are the only two we have for this so far. Right. Where do you where how do you rank it? What's the one two here? Honestly, um it's it's my number two. Um okay. it's All a good right. movie. I love the songs from it. Um mm-hmm. I, I do like a lot of the characters, but at the end of the day I would happily put back in Aladdin before I'd put a li- uh before I put a Lion King on again. <laughs> uh, any of them. Any, any of the of Lion them. Kings. Any of the three the movies movie. or the Timon and Puma show. Right. It's like ah, no, I'm probably going to watch Aladdin beforehand. So I, it's and it's. Okay. I think it's just. It goes back to like a lot of what we talked about last week, just about Aladdin and just about the, the like the love I have of that movie and just the humor and the writing and the pacing and the characters. And <laughs> I just love Jafar. I love Iago. I love all of them. So I don't have as much of a love for The Lion King uh, as mm-hmm. I do for Aladdin. Aladdin's just right up my alley in every conceivable way. The Lion King has some of it. Just not all of it. Yeah, this for me, this is so so close. Like I it, tied as far as I'm concerned, but the, because the, what is so good about them is so different. Uh, the the music being so different, the cinematic uh, feel of the Lion King versus Aladdin. But in in the end, I, I fall in the same camp as you. I would probably pop in Aladdin before I would pop in Lion King. But again, super super close uh, margin here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both just incredible films. And Lion King is, I, you know, to be determined as we rewatch Pocahontas and Hercules and some of the movies coming down, but I think Lion King is the peak of the Renaissance. I don't, I think it's kind of downhill from here. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss that as we, un, as it unfolds, but this movie is, is so darn good. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, Aladdin, 
is the more you know i think it might come down to that lion king asks for a little more investment of your intent attention Mm-hmm. Than than uh, Aladdin, which is so uh, especially once the genie's involved, is so uh, f- fast. It's it's popcorn, right? There's a lot of a lot happening, and it's easy to to di- to digest in small doses. Whereas Lion King does offer uh, ask of you of more of your attention. So right. that's what gives Aladdin the edge. That's a uh, and that's really close. So there's my long winded <laughs> response. We have a, we have a tied number one. We both have we have Yay! we've made it two weeks in a row. <laughs> Now, that's probably not going to last very much longer, I have a feeling, but... Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see yeah. what happens. Um, so I do have some comments from the Facebook page. So if you want to, if you ever want to tweet at us, you can tweet, you can Twitter pate at me Yay. at TC's Big Head. You can Twitter pate at Jeff at Random Bell, or which seems to be the best way to get a hold of us is the Facebook page, facebook.com slash top shelf pod. And a good slew of uh, responses. And, and some of you got in as we're recording. So there's a couple on here that I'm reading cold. Uh, Natasha says, great movie. I still cry when Mufasa dies. I also love how Zazu says Scar would make a great throw rug. And in Hercules, Scar shows up as a rug. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's well true. played. That's well, true. Well pointed out, Natasha. Um, I do like that line. He's like, you can, he'd make a nice throw rug. And if he ever gets dirty, you can take him outside and beat him. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a very sharp bit of dialogue right there. Uh, thank you for listening, Natasha. Uh, Colin... Oh, actually, Colin has a question that will work really nicely for our Moana podcast down the road. So, Colin mentioned that again. Aaron Williams says he was never a huge fan, although he must have watched it a bunch. His best memory was sometime after it came out, Elton John was doing a promotion for McDonald's. Just about the only thing that Aaron knew was Crocodile Rock. And he always thought that song was cut from The Lion King. And a friend asked him if he was serious. <laughs> you know what? Crocodile Rock would work perfectly in a Lion King movie. <laughs> yes, it would have, actually. I was surprised <laughs> they didn't do that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and then a, a comment here from Thomas. Thank you for listening, Thomas. And Aaron, thank you for listening. Uh, d- you know what? Aaron had some really nice words for us um, that he posted to the, the Facebook page. And Aaron, I want to thank you for for your comments uh just praising us and and let us know we're doing a good job it's nice to be validated um and we we appreciate all the listeners and everyone who comments and likes and shares so uh thank you guys for that just wanted to thank say that guys. real quick yes definitely uh, i definitely agree uh thomas threw out some questions which i've already touched on but he wants to know does this movie successfully confirm that disney's talking cat movies are better than their talking dog movies Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, good theory <laughs> Um, uh, I'd have to say yes. <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, but he does have some serious questions here. Uh, uh, do, 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 do. Wait, does he have a serious question here? <laughs> um, uh, I, yes, he does. Okay, sorry. Uh, click to expand. Have you ever watched this movie and imagine that Rafiki is just a monkey with mental problems? He does spend half the movie off on his own laughing. <laughs> and that he just roamed around the jungle telling everyone, you're Mufasa's boy, until he found the right lion. <laughs> I think that he's senile, even if he's actually a great supporting character. Thomas, well played. <laughs> well played. I like that theory. That theory is better than the theories that I would have had for this movie. <laughs> well, one of my favorite moments in this whole movie is with Rafiki, where he hits Simba on the head, and he's like, why did you do that? And he goes, who cares? It's in the past. <laughs> and then talks a little bit more, and he says, you can either learn from your lessons or repeat it. And he swings, and and Simba ducks. He's like, aha! You learn. <laughs> and then that's such a a really, really fine moment. Of, yes. Of, it's a lesson. It's a great lesson. I love that moment. <laughs> is he crazy? Yes, Thomas. Yes. He is crazy. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> uh, and Chris Scholes asks, it says, it's a classic, but is anyone asking for a quote unquote live animated, live version? Uh, no. <laughs> Not at all. Do I, I don't think I need to keep harping on my distaste for the live action remake. So, no, because it won't be live action. It'll just be a, a really, really, really well done animated remake basically if you guys want to see the live action quote-unquote live action version of the lion king you're gonna know what you're 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 gonna see what you're gonna get when you watch the jungle book live action version because it's gonna be basically that now the voice actors they do have coming for the live action one i'm very intrigued by i'm I, i like who they got like i like that 
Seth Rogen is Pumbaa. It's like, sure, you know, yep, whatever. Yep. That James Earl Jones is Mufasa still. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, very Ch- intriguing. And then, uh, of course, Charles yeah. Gambino. Yes, you got um, Donald Glover as Simba. Come on, guys. That's going to be fantastic. Yep. So the singing's going to be great. Uh, and and John Oliver is playing Zazu. Is that right? Yep, yep. That's I think, good. yeah. He, he looks like Zazu. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be... It's well cast. Just mm, mm. we'll wait and see... We'll wait and see just what actually happens with this thing. <laughs> I I mean, I'm in. I'm not gonna lie. While I don't want it, I am intrigued yeah. to see it. I'm yeah, curious I, to see will, just what they do with it. I will. I will remain cautiously optimistic that they will find. Some, it's uh, John Favreau who directed Jungle Book is also directing The Lion King, and I think that there's there's something to to be said there because he's the kind of director who gains experience and and and. Uh, um, enhances every movie he does subsequently. So because he achieved Jungle Book, I can only imagine Lion King is going to be better just technically than, than Jungle Book was. So Right. You know, I'm, a fa- I'm a fan of Favreau's work, so I'll, I'll at least be cautiously optimistic for that respect. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and I do have one last comment, which was from Candice. Uh, she said that this was her favorite movie for a long time, and she wondered if it was because it wasn't overly girly and it had lots of adventure, um, and uh, I think that's that's a fair assessment. I I wonder if because they're animals, it makes it that much more accessible to boys and girls. Right. 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 Because they're not they're not inherently gender based. They're not inherently a boy and a girl. They are cats. <laughs> right. Right. And you can it, it doesn't matter. I mean, there and there still is a little bit of like a love story in it. Um, but there's yeah. also, you know, it's it's also about having fun and songs and, and growing up and being a kid and all that. And it's very much so you, you I think, yeah, like you said, because they're not uh, they're not humans. You can relate to both of them. It doesn't matter who they are. Um, you don't see it immediately as a boy or a girl movie. Right. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair assessment, and and also why this movie is so yes, stick a kid down in front of this movie, they're gonna love it. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it, the, of the four movies we've just watched, I don't think any of them are not movies you could. Hey, uh, I, I'm babysitting. I just don't want to pay attention. You watch The Lion King, <laughs> <laughs> and not be worried about <laughs> right. about, about it being on. Then, uh, then, and Candace made another comment that uh, Scar hates hearing Mufasa's name. Do you think that might be that he might be a little ashamed, or is it just that he's tired? Of, he just does not want to live under Mufasa's shadow. Ooh, that's a good um, theory. I mean, I can see it as being that he's so sick and tired of hearing about his Mufasa. brother, Mufasa. Mufasa, the great and powerful Mufasa. Mm, <laughs> I don't want to hear that anymore. And it, it might be yeah. that. It might just be more of a jealous annoyance. If that's a thing, <laughs> yeah, 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 and to 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 speak the praises of the Broadway show again, the Madness of King Scar song is really great because he's he talks about I'm everywhere I look, I see Mufasa, there he is, there he is, there he is. Oh, what am I talking about? <laughs> like he loses his mind, really great. Um, even even just checking out that song is worth it. Uh, but that is all the comments I had. I did have one more comment. I don't know what I did with it. It was <laughs> it just popped in a moment ago and I lost it. And it's gone forever to the ethers. <laughs> well, if you find it, uh, we can always uh, we can always talk about it next week or bring it up and talk about it on the Facebook page as well if it's on there certainly, or something certainly. along those lines. So, so, uh, but Jeff, you made it. Your voice is okay. You've, 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 you're ready to chug a bottle of Nyquil and just go into and a coma. Just go to sleep forever. Uh, <laughs> that's my plan. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening. Again, if you want to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter, paid at us. You've, you've got the info. Uh, but what are we coming back to next week, Jeff? All right. Well, everybody, next week we're going to come back to the 1995 film, number 33 on our list, Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Pocahontas. Now, no. I, I've I've made this recommendation to you, Jeff, and I'm going to recommend it to. And I don't normally do this. I usually like to let people decide. I'm going to recommend the special edition on Pocahontas. Okay. Uh, because I, there is an additional song added to the movie that I really feel enhances it, as opposed to the ones we've seen so far. Uh, and we'll discuss that next week, depending on what version you might get a hold of, Jeff. Uh, I do recommend the special edition for those those listening. 
Well, I will definitely try to find the special edition myself, and I would then recommend, since TC recommends it, I'd recommend everybody else find the special edition, if you possibly can, <laughs> uh, and watch yeah. that, which I feel like we're, we're definitely, as we said before, we're definitely in that range of films that it's easier to come by the movies. We're not, these aren't hard things to come by. They're, they're kind of all over the place. In yeah, they don't, they don't vault these movies anymore. These are movies nah. that you can, you can find secondhand at the very least if they're not streaming. Right, exactly, exactly. So, well, we'll we'll uh, talk more about Pocahontas next week. Hopefully, my throat mm-hmm. cold will be gone, and I'll be able to talk yes. at full annoying volume for everybody out there listening. Um, I would love it. I would love it too. I couldn't do any impersonations this week. I feel greatly disappointed you're, by that. Your Nathan Lane did outdo my Nathan Lane. So <laughs> I'm gonna work on it. I'll come back next week, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna practice, um, and uh, I'll work on my Mel Gibson as well. Fantastic, and I will practice my. Um, um, ad- uh, uh, never mind, doesn't matter. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, not worth it. All right, well, thanks everybody for taking a listen this week. And TC, do any version of the sign off you care to. That's right. Okay. Thank you, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. This, this, uh, the, 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 we talked about things. <laughs> <laughs> I already forgot what I did last week. What did I say? Oh uh, my goodness. We were the people. We were the people talking, you were the people listening. This was a podcast. We'll see. Uh, this and is this a sign-off. There, is a sign-off. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, uh, play us. brand new, brand new sign-out. You're going to bound to just stutter a little bit on it. It's perfectly okay. I'm going to write it down. Week, I'm going to write it down. <laughs> next week, TC, you better be on full par with that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. I'm on, I am on notice. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. See you next week. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending. <laughs>